Anyone have a uh, praise or testimony at the time before I get into the message here this morning? Anyone have a popcorn testimony or something you just want to get up and thank the Lord for? Had a good week or there's something on your heart this morning? Anyone at all? Yeah. Yes. And Lord spared her life, and uh, she's like our favorite aunt. <laughs> and uh, her birthday and Lisa's birthday is the same day, and they just chummed up to us when we went out to visit back when we first got married. And uh, they had a big reunion, three day deal. 265 people later, I forgot the first person I met. Wow. Wow. Amen. Thank the Lord for protecting her. Even though it was a tragic thing that happened yeah. uh, through this event, uh, the Lord helped her with some habits mm. and drawn her closer to Him. Good. And we're looking for a salvation story out of this. Great. Hopefully, Lord, lead her closer in that direction. And we never questioned her faith or anything about the life she lived, but uh, just loved her and just was Christ like around her. And, mm. Praise God. He can use many things, can he, Dave? Steph, would you be able to help me out there? Wesley. He's faithful, isn't he, Dean? He is faithful. Anyone else? Anyone else? John. I just want to thank God for many answers prayer. Yes. Prayer. It's good to see you all here this morning, John and Dixie. Amen. 
Praise God. Good to be here. Well, um, you will know quickly probably the direction I'm going to go by, Brian, here we go again, uh, by the direction, just be ready to go, um, the picture of that flag right there. It was while we were away on at Oklahoma City Church of God Convention, had a great convention out there, heard a lot of great speakers, had uh, um, good GA meetings, um, but it was while we were away that we heard about the decision from the Supreme Court on same-sex marriage. And needless to say, uh, we were greatly disturbed. Um, while we here at the mill have talked about this, we have prayed about this, I believe that it was time for your pastor to speak on this topic. So we're going to speak on that topic. Today and next week we'll be on this topic. But before I start, I want you to hear me out on something, and I want to make sure this is being recorded. Is it being recorded right now? Thank you. I wanted to make sure that you hear me out on something first. Um, oftentimes, especially with a topic like this, um, with the many voices speaking out on a topic like this, we have a tendency to blur the lines between the act and the individual involved with the act. So let me state up front that much of what I'm going to talk about today will be targeted specifically more towards the act, okay? The act, and not so much the individual. And as the church and as pastors, I believe that we are commanded to take a strong stance against the act, hear me, against the act, but show the love of Jesus Christ to the individuals involved. There must be a difference because this is the only way that we will win others to Jesus Christ. Showing the love of Jesus Christ is the only way that love will win. You may have heard that phrase over the last week or two. Love wins. And stay tuned because next week I will tackle that response that many people are giving is in light of the rolling love wins. What does that really mean? We will hit that probably next week. There are thousands if not millions of voices and opinions being heard right now around the world, on TV, on radio, on our social media, and the newspapers. I want you to listen to this, though. Someone once posed this question to the average person out on the street. The question was this, do you believe homosexuality is sin? Listen to some of the responses. Personally, I think so, yeah. Another person said, Everyone should have the right to do whatever they want to do as long as it does not hurt anyone else. Another person said, certainly it is. So is murder and adultery. All sin is sin to God. 
A fourth person said, I don't think it's fair to target someone for having homosexual relations if we are not going to put the same target on people who are having premarital or extramarital sex. That makes you think a little bit there, doesn't it? And this last person said, if you believe in God and that God made everything, then God made me and I'm gay. How are we, the church, big C, not little c, how are we, the church, supposed to view? What is, what is our stance on this topic? Where do we go to find our positioning on this? Where have I gone, your pastor? Where has your pastor gone to gain insight on this? I just want to let you know that um, I have researched a number of uh, sources uh, there's a book that uh, an individual gave me by Dr. Tony Evans. I've uh, used reference to that. Uh, our general director of the Church of God, Jim Lyons, I've uh, referenced some things that he has said. Um, Dr. James Dobson, I have tapped into his knowledge as well. But none have I used more than the Bible. Uh, the Bible is the ultimate voice of truth and authority. Amen. It is the ultimate voice of truth and authority. So I make no apologies for my stance upon the solid rock that I stand. For it is just that, God's words. It is his thoughts. It is his intentions spoken and revealed through the Holy Spirit to mankind. God's words are not to be heard only. Word tells us, don't be hearers of the word only, but be doers of the word as well. God's word is not to be heard only, but followed and obeyed at all costs. So, we will begin this morning by going to the word. We are going to be going through a lot of passages. So if you're taking notes, you might, have, might need to have two pens this morning. I don't know, but we're going to cover a lot of ground. Uh, a lot of it will be on the screen, but I still like to hear the rustle of pages, you know that. When dealing with a topic such as this, we need to be very careful that we don't take just one passage and, and try and create a whole doctrine out of just one passage. Uh, we need to search of the pages in between Genesis and Revelation to make sure that there is a continual line of truth to our stance. And that's what I will do my best to do. This morning, let's begin this morning with Genesis. Genesis stands and it means the beginning. Genesis tells the story. You know this. It's elementary 101. Here we go. Genesis tells the story of God's creation and the highlight of his creation was creating mankind. Was when he created male, when he created Adam. And in the Genesis account, we can see a purposeful sequence of creative events. If you want to follow with me, it's Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. Again, a lot of this will be on the screen, but you may want to make notes. You may want to read it yourself. A lot of what I read is from the New King, New King James Version. Uh, sometimes I will deviate from that, but a lot of it will be New King James. So in Genesis chapter 2, we can see there's a purposeful sequence of events. 
But let's begin with Genesis 2, verse 18. I found that picture on the Internet, and I thought, that just fit my mind's eye right there of how God created man out of the dust of the ground. That just was really stuck in my mind. The verse, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Right away that we can see God creating male. And by God's own words, he said that the male needed a helper, needed a companion, because it wasn't good for mankind to be alone. Sometimes there's a show that um, I have seen. Um, It's called Life Below Zero. And it's about individuals who live hundreds of miles above uh, the Arctic Circle and, and in that atmosphere up there. And, and there is a lady who lives up there by herself uh, practically 365 days of the year in extreme cold weather. And she, she says, I, I love this life. I love to be isolated. I don't want to be with anyone. That's different, isn't it? That's an odd kind of a mindset. The majority, uh, most people uh, want to be around other people. It's not good for mankind to be alone. And here we see that God created mankind to be social, to have a craving to share and to be intimate with others. You see, God created you and me for relationships, did he not? For relationships, he did. Next, let's go to Genesis 19 through 20. And it says this, Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. Here we see where God created the animals and then he gave them to Adam to name all of them. Animals are very important to us, are they not? How many of you are animal lovers? Let me see your hand. We have a lot of animal lovers in here today. Um, in our house, it's kind of a running joke. We, we, we have a love-hate relationship with our dog, Max. Uh, we've had him for about five years now and we're just now getting him to the point to where he's just fitting right in with the family. Uh, he doesn't do some of those, dis- well, well, we won't go there. Um, but we're now getting to the point that we really enjoy having Max around. Um, m- many people love their pets. Uh, some go to extremes, perhaps. But uh, there's no doubt that a pet, that an animal can bring much joy, much satisfaction. But hear me out on this. This is not Broxan, this is the Word of God. In the end, no pet or animal can replace what God intended for mankind. In this passage, we see that it's God's intention to create a helper that is just right for the male. Again, these are not my words. You can see the sequence of events here. Not a partial or incomplete helper, but one that brings completion and wholeness. Only humans bear the image of God. And only people can approach wholeness together. So we can see in this passage that the animals 
Uh, Adam probably got much enjoyment, but still they just did not fit. They just did not fit what he needed. Let's continue on in verse 21 and verse 22. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. And then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. Notice the progression thus far. God first created man. Then he acknowledges that man should not be alone and that man needs a helper. And then he intentionally creates the perfect complement for man. And that is a woman. Woman, the word uh, womb taken from the womb, taken from the side of the man. I love that because it's not, he didn't take it from the head so that she would rule over him. And, and God did not take from the feet so that he would rule over her. But from the side that together, equally they would rule together. They would live life together as one in the image of God. And it's out of this progression that we can see God's original plan and his original intention. And see, it just flows from one verse to the next. Let's go to verses 23 and 24. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Folks, do you notice some things standing out there? Notice how Scripture uses the word, and if I could highlight it here, I would, but I, I, I put it in caps. He uses the word wife. God did not create husband for man, but a woman and a wife for man. Now I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Leviticus chapter 18. Leviticus chapter 18. Again, I am, I say this a couple of times, I'm speaking to the act, homosexuality. Leviticus chapter 18, the book of Leviticus, Israel has been set free from Egypt and they're now sitting at the foot of the mountain of Sinai. Leviticus is a book, it's a guidebook for this young country or this newly freed uh, people, the Israelites. It's a book that shows them how to worship, how they are to serve, how they are to obey and live before a holy God. And I don't know about your chapter, but the title in my chapter for chapter 18 is Laws of Sexual Sins. Laws of Sexual Sins, Leviticus chapter 18. As you're turning there, let me ask you some rhetorical questions. Now, these questions at first may kind of set you back a little bit, but... I'm going to ask it anyways. Do we feel that it is wrong to have, again, you don't have to answer this, do we feel that it is wrong to have sexual relations with our mothers, or with our fathers, with our brothers and with our sisters? How about our stepmothers or our stepfathers and sisters and stepbrothers? Do we feel that it's wrong to have sexual relations with our aunts or our uncles? Our sons and daughters-in-laws. Do you believe that adultery is wrong? How about sacrificing human beings to foreign gods and idols? 
Or how about this one? I even hate saying this in church, but do we believe that it is wrong to have sexual relations with animals? Of course we do, don't we? We even have laws in our country against and prohibiting things such as these. You see, these are some of the practices that are mentioned in Leviticus chapter 18. These are some of the things that God tells Moses and he tells the people of Israel that are, they are strictly forbidden to do or to have any kind of involvement in. But I want you to look to see what else is smack dab in the middle of all of this. Leviticus 18, chapter 22. Excuse me, 18, verse 22. And it also says this. You shall not lie with a male as with a woman It is an abomination. You see, this is not a real pleasurable message for me. (laughs) This is rather uncomfortable. But maybe one of the reasons we're in the state that we're in is that there's not been enough people preaching about it. Not been enough people, again, the act, but we love individuals. And let me point out to you that um, uh, as God tells the Israelites this, these are not mere suggestions. These are, these, these are not uh, 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 some things that God's giving to them just for advice, for Israel to consider, uh, to observe just if they want to. It says, no, it says you shall not lie with a male as with a woman. This is a command from God himself. And look what God calls this act. He calls it an abomination. Now I want you to go back to verse 1 in that same chapter. And I want us to get a little context. Again, I'm going to be giving you a lot of verses today. Verse 1 of Leviticus 18 says this. 1 through 4. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, I am the Lord your God According to the doings of the land of Egypt where you dwelt, you shall not do. And according to the doings of the land of Canaan where I am bringing you, you shall not do. Nor shall you walk in their ordinances. You shall observe my judgments and keep my ordinances to walk in them. I am the Lord your God. See, it tells us that the Israelites are not to do as the Egyptians where they had just come from. They are not to do as the Egyptians do. And they are not to do as the Canaanites, that's where they're getting ready to go. They should not do as, as either of those two countries are doing. But they are to follow and obey the judgments and ways of God. They are to be separate, holy unto their God. You see, folks, it doesn't matter what culture or world around us is. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter where you're going. We are to follow the Lord our God in His ways and His commandments. We're living in a culture. We're coming. We're going in lands and cultures and societies that are choosing To not follow the ways of the Lord. And God just told them, and He's telling us, don't do as they do. You do as I command you to do. Let's go on. I have a lot of ground to cover. 
Stay in Leviticus chapter 18, verses 24 and 25. You don't have to turn there, but I'm just going to link these two verses together. And then 2013, it says this. For the land is defiled, therefore I visit the punishment of its iniquity upon it, and the land vomits out its inhabitants. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, and shall not commit any of these abominations. Either any of you, your nation, excuse me, either any of your own nation or any stranger who dwells among you. If a man lies with a male as he lies with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. Harsh words from our Creator. And what will the results be of such actions for the individuals God said they were to be put to death? Now, I hope this is also being recorded. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, thank you, Kevin. Still being recorded. Obviously, we are not saying in today's dispensation and the New Testament era, we are not advocating putting anyone to death. But I use this just to show you how God feels about this topic. You're right, Dave. It's a spiritual matter. But you notice something in that verse that doesn't stop there. It also tells us what will happen if an entire nation falls into this perversion. It says that the entire nation will be defiled and God will pronounce judgment on the land and its inhabitants. This is a warning cry, isn't it, church? It's a warning. You don't have to turn there, but we know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Two angels came to visit the city, uh, the city where Lot and his family called home. The angels wanted to spend the night out in the open square, and, and Lot, knowing the city, he said, no, no, that would not be safe for you to do that. And he knew why. He said, please, he implored them, please come inside. And after Lot got the angels to come inside. I want you to listen. Some of you know this passage, but in Genesis 19, 4 and 5, it says this. Now before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every quarter surrounded the house. And they called to Lot and said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally. This example of homosexuality is used to show how evil, how debased the city was. It shows the level of debauchery Sodom and Gomorrah had slumped to, and we know the fate of Sodom and Gomorrah. I kept telling my wife and kept telling my family yesterday, it's a heavy message today. A heavy message today. Some people say, but Pastor Brock or uh, others who preach this message, that's just Old Testament. We no longer live under the Old Testament times. Uh, We now live under the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. Okay, let's move to the New Testament. Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. Jesus was addressing the issue of divorce. The Pharisees had asked Jesus, Jesus, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? For any such reason. And Jesus responded this way. Matthew 19 verses 4 through 6. Jesus said this. And notice the terms he uses. 
He answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then, they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. Jesus here, his own words, he emphasizes two genders, male and female. And it's a male and female who is to comprise marriage. It's the reason that a man and a woman will leave their parents and be joined as one. The reason we leave home is to be joined with someone of the opposite sex. These aren't my words. These are Jesus' words. And he gives the divine stamp of approval for one man and one woman. Let's go on. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Turn there. At this time, Rome was uh, probably the greatest city on the face of the planet. Rome boasted about one million people at the time that Paul wrote to the church there. Rome, there was a great level of, of opulence and extravagance, a lot of wealth, a lot of riches, but it, was, it, was, it stood in stark contrast to the other half of society. There was much poverty, a lot of filth. And these two states of being uh, festered an evil and vile society, uh, a vile social environment where anything goes. And it's into this culture Paul speaks these words. Romans chapter 1, verses 24 and 25. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness. I'll just stop there for a second. He's talking about a Gentile, pagan, carnal, heathenistic people. A culture, a society. Talking into this uh, city of Rome. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. Listen to this. Who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. It says that this culture, a sinful pagan society, took the truth of God and exchanged it for a lie. And what was that lie, you may ask? Continue on in verse 26 and 27. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty, the penalty of their error which was due. As I was preparing for this message, it's like, God, what can I say? What can I do? What, what, what can, how can I get the... You know what he said to me? Speak my word. Just speak my word. His word is much more powerful than my words can ever be. And if you notice, all I've been doing this morning is speaking the word of God. Look at that verse. The lie. 
the verse before said they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. What is the lie? The lie was that it's perfectly natural for a man to be with a man and a woman to be with a woman. This is exactly what the homosexual movement has been trying to do the last 40 to 50 years. To take what the Bible says is unnatural and redefine it as natural. And what's worse is that many inside the church have bought into this lie. Not only are churches advocating this lifestyle, they're endorsing and they're ordaining pastors and preachers behind the pulpit. God help us. God help us. Many believe that they're just born that way and cannot help it. That God just got it wrong when he made Bruce Jenner. That he should have made him a girl. We're going to hit that topic next week. Church, the only way to interpret the passage that is before you is that the practice of homosexuality is a perversion. An abomination of God's ways. It's a choice based off of sinful lust that dishonors the body. I have one more passage to share with you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verses 9 through 11. I'll give you a second to get there. It says this. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Let me set a little bit of a background to this. And our general director's book, Jim Lyon, uh, his book, uh, Go Ahead, Ask Anything, he describes how Paul was speaking to a young church in the wealthiest and favored city of Corinth. Now, some of this, again, will be hard to hear and hard to say, but we, I think, I think part of our problem has been We've been uncomfortable with these things. And we just don't want to talk about it. And we just hope that it goes away and we brush it under the carpet. And, and there are things that the Word of God says that, that are so detestable, you, you shouldn't even talk about in secret. And so the church for far too long has just ignored it and has ignored the implications and the lifestyle and what all goes into this. But we have to. We have to. Corinth. Corinth was known for its standards of sexual license. It was widely known by those traveling uh, around the area that Corinth was a place to go if you wanted to have a good time. 
Those are some of the pictures of today's Corinth. Corinth at the time was devoted to the worship of the Greek goddess of love and sexuality, Aphrodite. The Corinthians lived in a lifestyle of sacred prostitution in which random sexual encounters were seen as worship to the goddess. Evenings were invitations to worship with as many as a thousand temple, temple prostitutes that were available. Straight and gay sex was viewed as normal. Most men would have bisexual experiences between boys going through puberty on up to older men. And it was into this sexually charged environment that the church was born. The young Christian community was quite familiar with this culture where there were few sexual prohibitions. And Paul is now telling them they are not to be involved with any of these wicked things that surround them. He reminds them that they once used to live like that, but now they are redeemed. They have been changed. And let me again point out that those found, Brock's not saying this, but point out to what the Word of God just said. Let me again, and I say this with as much love in my heart that I can say. The Word tells us that those found doing such practices will not Inherit the kingdom of God. Let me again remind you that today I've tried to solely stick to the act. To give my position, to give the church of God reformation stance on the topic. The Bible does not permit homosexual practice within the kingdom of God. Expressing your sexuality within a, within a homosexual context separates you from that kingdom and from God. Having said all this, and as I just said, we must also keep in mind the individual or the individuals in mind here. As I said, we do not believe that a message of hatred will win anyone over to the cause of Christ. Anyone. And as a church community, we must, we must, if we want to be a holy people before God, we must behave and confront those the way Jesus wants us to. We have to. I'm going to deviate just for a second, and I have not thought about all the implications of what I'm about ready to say, but I believe there's strong truth to what I'm going to say. And I'm not saying this applies to every situation, okay? So hear me out on that. I know there are a lot of businesses, a lot of organizations, a lot of stores out there that, that support things that go against God's Word. And that many times, many times there, there is a call to boycott that business, boycott that store, um, shun them, don't associate with them, don't buy anything from them. And I'm not telling you what to do, and I'm not saying that in certain circumstances that's not the right thing to do, but I will say this. 
Is that going to win anybody to Christ? We're, we're making a statement. I got that. But think about the other side. Think about the person that you're trying to send a message to. What do they see? They see a group of people that refuses to give us business. And that individual is made to feel like a piece of dirt. Do we perhaps need to reconsider some things? I'm not telling you what to do. And there may be times that we boycott certain things, but I know that that isn't always the way that you're going to draw people to Jesus Christ. Such says to love our enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Love them. Give them what we don't think they deserve. And the Bible says they'll be like heaping hot coals of fire on their head when they, they see the difference that Jesus Christ makes in our life. When they see the love that we have, even though we disagree uh, with them or their lifestyle, what they've done, when they can see that we're still going to treat them in a loving way, well, I want what they've got. They must have something special. It's quiet out there. Just a thought. Just a thought. I'm sure um, I'm done. I'm sure some of you still have questions. Um, there's questions that you have that I haven't answered this morning. I understand that. If you'll come back next week, uh, I'm going to hit things like this. What causes someone to enter into a lifestyle of homosexuality? I'm not a licensed psychologist, but I'm going to give you a response to that. The people that believe, aren't they just born that way? We're going to talk about that. What about all the comments out there like, love wins, or we just need to be tolerant, or rainbow pride? What about all the vitriol and the language of hatred? Look, as long as no one is getting hurt, can't we just stay out of it and leave the issue alone? How did America even get in this position to begin with? Where do we go from here? And I will say this, church, elders, deacons, pastor, pastor, I believe there's going to be a cost for standing up for the truth. It's coming. Um, The America that our fathers and forefathers fought for is no longer. We're living in a new land. We're living in a new time to where people like myself will be targeted. Now, I say this without any persecution, without any threats. I say this without anybody coming knocking on my front door. Who knows what is in store for the church and what is in store for myself? There will be a cost. This is July 4th weekend. A weekend to be patriotic, wave the American flag and be proud. And look, I'm still proud of the land that I live in. It's still the greatest land on earth. But I have to admit, there's a pit in my stomach for where we're at. We often sing the song, God bless America. Land that I love, 
Stand beside her and guide her through the night with a light from above, from the mountains to the prairies, to the oceans white with foam. God bless America, my home, sweet home. A few days after the Supreme Court decision, one of our brothers, Wesley Vaughn, sent me a text with his take on that song, and this is what it says. God save America from sin and shame. Come upon her and bring her to honor your word and your holy name. From the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam, God save America, my earthly home. Wesley, thank you. This morning, how do we end? I kept thinking, how do we end? We're, we're going to end doing the only thing that we know to do. We're on our faces before God. And I know there's needs. I know there's, there's prayer requests. I understand that. Um, um, and, and whatever individual request that you have, you, you can bring that before the Lord this morning. But um, let's pray. Let's pray. You can come down front if you want. Let's come down. Let's all gather around front. Let's come down at this time and just prostrate ourselves before God at the altar. And What does he want from us? Are we desperate enough? Steve Snyder, would you come pray? I just saw you back there and the Lord said ask him to pray.